Oh, man. Come on, somebody. Hey, if you're ready, say yes. Even if you're not ready, get ready. Come on, it's going to be fun. This is going to be fun today. You guys can be seated. Hopefully you won't be seated too long. We'll be standing, shouting, having a party in Jesus' name. Yes! Oh, man. What a conference this has been. Man, it's been good. Um, you know, throughout, we've had some incredible speakers, man. Pastor Johnson, Pastor Jason, Pastor Stone. My God, can you just give them a big round of applause of honor one more time? Um. I have a, uh, just a few words that I feel like that as just as even through this morning, the Lord's laid on my heart. Is it okay if I just have a little bit of freedom? Is that okay? Is that a, I just want to ask your permission, my, my, my man. Oh, man. God is good. It doesn't happen very often, but <laughs> when I'm in your house, I will ask your permission. Oh, man. Um, before, I, before I share some of these, uh, just, a few, just a few words. Um, man, these speakers, man, thank you guys. Thank you guys. I mean, I come here and, you know, we, we all, like, we're here on assignment, right? But it's like, I, I found that in, in my travels, as I've gotten to go, man, I come away so blessed and filled up from just being in an atmosphere. So to the speakers, I want to say thank you. To the ones who have led worship, I want to say thank you for cultivating an atmosphere where the presence of God is free to move. And I'm just so thankful that as we come together and we lift him up, that his faith, that he is faithful to, to respond to his word, that he inhabits the praise of his people. But here's what's amazing. Who else is excited about this fact that, that, that his inhabitation of praise does not just stop whenever we are here in this place. He's raising up a company of worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. And we take that wherever we go. So that means when I go to, when I go to Walmart, he inhabits my praise. When I go to the bank, he inhabits my praise. I'm telling you, guys, Walmart is the greatest evangelistic mission field on the world, man. I have some stories that happened in Walmart that would blow your mind, but we don't have enough time for it. So I'm just going to share a few things. All right. Before I get, again, to these quick words, man, I just want, uh, you guys all said things. I'm, I'm a quote taker. So whenever I hear something, I take quotes, but I don't put names beside it because if enough time passes, I can use it as my own, right? But I'm just joking. <laughs> but listen, here's some quotes that I want you guys to, to take away. Uh, if you didn't already write these down, uh, just jot them down now. Put them in your notes on your phone. Um, Pastor Jason, man, he said, swords forged to destroy you, God will use to develop you. Whoo, man, that was fire right there. I mean, fire. I'm talking penetrate the heart. That is good stuff. Oh, my God, that was good. Pastor Stone said, unlock potential reveals your talent. Unlock potential reveals your talent. Pastor Stone, how true is that? Man. And then Pastor Jason, or Jeremy, sorry, Pastor Jeremy he said, don't call your wife a heifer. <laughs> That'll preach right there. <laughs> no, one, the, the thing that Pastor Jeremy said that, man, just like, just lit me up, man. I mean, it lit me up. He said, if you're going to have vision, you can't touch dead things. Man, you can't, you, you can't get to where God is calling you if you're still playing with the dead things. 
How many of you know that, that whenever you are in Christ, you are a new creation? The old things have passed away and all things have become new. That means whenever I try to, when I try to romance the flesh that has been dead, I, I, I'm into necromancing and God has called me into life. And so when I am willing to go back to the things of my flesh, it can keep me from the fullness that God is calling me into. If I'm going to step into the vision that God has placed in my life, I cannot allow the dead things of my flesh to keep, keep a hold on me. Come on, man. Thank you, guys. You all imparted something into me. Thank you for that. Um, just a few, few words. Uh, Galen and Rick, where are you guys? Just so I can see you. Oh, okay, okay. So as you were worshiping, I, I felt like the Lord, he put, he put hammers in your hands. And, and he said, you are builders. And he says that this, that this work that you are building will not only, not only be built, but it will be built with a strong foundation and it will not be moved. Things, and there's been this building, I even sense that it is a, it, it's a, it's a reclaimed work. It's a reclaimed work. And God said, although it has been shaky, he's given you the tools to make it strong and it will last for generations. You are builders in the kingdom of God. Build it, take it, and go with it in Jesus' name. Awesome. You right here with the yellow blanket. What's your name? Kathy? Very nice to meet you, Kathy. I'm TW. Is this your husband? Okay, I was hoping it wasn't your brother sitting like that. All right, that's good. <laughs> Kathy, um, okay, you're married. We established that. Thank, praise God. I saw the Lord, or heard the Lord tell me that you're going to raise up daughters. And I saw you. Mm, <laughs> Woo! I, get, I saw you. Hmm. Um, I need your wiper, man. <laughs> I need your wiper. All right. I do this, man. When God, when God changed my heart, I'm seriously, he gave me water faucets for eyes. And I'm just like, oh, man. I better go, go to someone else or I'm not going to quit crying. I saw you putting crowns on girls all around you. And um, I think it's a, it's, it's a spiritual sense but there's also a natural mothering sense. And um, I just saw like these little girls just dancing around you guys. And you're just placing crowns of beauty on their heads, just calling them into something that they didn't even know was there. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. Okay. Bless you guys. It's going to be good. I'm excited to come back and see what God is doing with that. So, praise God. Um, so, prophetic words, man, they're just words of encouragement. Man, that's they're just a call to exhort, encourage, and, right, there's nothing spooky about the prophetic. It's just what God is saying. Like, when I'm teaching people to prophesy, like, literally the church has done a really good job of making the things of the Spirit goofy and spooky and weird. And it's just supposed to be the natural overflow of what we do as believers. When his spirit took residence in us, he empowered us to do the very things that Jesus did and to walk in these things. And there's nothing weird about it. It's just about calling people into their destiny. When I'm teaching on the prophetic, I just simply tell people, like with people who are hungry for this, I was like, okay, let's pretend that Jesus is right beside us. Tell, if, 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 so if I'm prophesying over Jeremy and I'm just like, tell Jeremy what Jesus says about him. I mean, it's, it's that easy. It's the heart of God proclaimed over somebody that encourages them in their call and their destiny and their purpose. We're just raising them up, man. Just raising them up. All right, I'm probably going to cry more. Okay, here we go. Um, Bo and Megan. <laughs> Everyone quit recording me right now. That's, uh, 
Wait till I start preaching to record, okay? Then we'll have fun. Um, okay, I can't look at you, but I'm just going to do it anyway. Okay, so what I saw for you guys is I saw you looking over the lake. And um, whenever the sun rises in the east, you can see in part. You can see the things that the, that the sun is touching, but you can't quite see exactly what's around it. And I, and I felt like the Lord said, that's the vision that you've had to this point, that you've seen around it. You've seen, you've kept your eyes on the sun. And, and I feel like that is the, the heart of God. It's just so, so his pleasure over you guys. His heart just expands with pleasure over your faithfulness. Just a step and it doesn't make sense and to, and to go. But what I felt like the Lord said was that in this season, keep going towards the sun. Just go in this place. And then as you're taking each step, right, even though you can't see the whole thing because as the sun comes up over the horizon, it like it encapsulates everything. But then it's so bright and it's like it's exactly what you're supposed to do. And as you're walking, I felt like the Lord, and this just goes so perfectly with Pastor Jeremy's message, this walk of faithfulness and to the vision of the sun, you're going to get to this place where he is going to come and turn you around. You know, in the mornings when the sun is rising, when you're looking at the sun, you can't see very well. But if you turn around, you can see everything the sun touches. And this is what the Lord is saying. He's saying there's coming a season very soon where you will be able to turn around and you will see everything that the sun has touched through your ministry. And it's going to be, it's going to expand and literally it's going to go as far as the sun can reach. So bless you in your walk. Keep going. I'm so proud of you. Guys, my brother's my best friend. I honor you, man. So thankful to have you in my life. God is good. All right. Okay. Oh, we better pray over this so we can make it legal, and we'll get into this message. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for your word. For your logos word, for the, for the written word, Lord, for your word that brings life to our soul. For your word that just, it, it speaks of your heart and your promises. And Lord, I thank you for this revealed word. I thank you for the word of your whispers that calls us into destiny, into purpose and promise. And Lord, and I thank you. I thank you that your word is always confirmed by your word. And even this morning, as I just humbly proclaim the truth that is your word. May it fall on ears ready to hear and, and hearts ready to receive that it would produce fruit in our lives 30, 60, and 100 fold. Guard my lips. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that every word proclaimed would be birthed from your heart. That it would be anointed. I know it was anointed as it was stirred and I pray that you would touch every word as it leaves my lips. That it would fall as fire on the hearts of those who are ready to burn. Holy one, we love you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Praise God. It's our last session, everybody. So don't give up on me, all right? This isn't time to coast. It's time to have fun, all right? We've been having so much fun. Let's just keep it going. But guys, I'm a responsive preacher just like the rest of these guys. So if you want to get done out of here before lunch, just shout me down. Come on, somebody. That was an opportunity that you missed, okay? We're already adding 15 minutes to the end of it. If you want to get out of here at lunch, go ahead and shout me down. Hey, woo, man, we're going to have a good one. We're going to have a good one. Guys, I'm at the point in my life, I've got three boys, and they are finally old enough to wipe their own butts. Praise God. Like, yeah, I mean, as a parent, like, that might not mean anything to you if you don't have kids yet. 
But the moment that you, you do not have to worry about wiping your kid's nasty butt anymore, guys, it is the most freeing experience of life. It's like, it's amazing. I'm so, I told you the video when I was preaching, don't video quite yet, okay? Wait till I get past this part. But my kids are at this point in life, they are um, 11, 9, and 5. All right, if we had my five-year-old first, we would just be talking about him because I don't know, think we would have had the grace to continue on. But, uh, but that's how it is with that third child, right? He's just, uh, he's 25 already in his five-year-old frame. We're in this place in life, though, where our older boys are like they're, they're caught up in, in, you know, trying to, trying to be relevant, trying to be cool, trying to just, you know, and I hear him say things, and I'm just like, what in the world are you talking about, man? Like, you, you don't even know what that means, but you're trying to, to bring application to your life with the words of the day, with this Gen Z, just this Gen Z language. Like, my son Titus, okay, he's my oldest and handsome boy. I mean, he looks a lot like me. He's, I mean, just beautiful. I mean, really, he's a beautiful boy. And he comes in one day, and he's walking, and he's just walking like this a little bit. And, uh, and I said, Titus, are you hurt? And, uh, <laughs> and he said, no, I'm not hurt, Dad. I said, what's going on? And he just was walking, he walked to the kitchen, to the, to the refrigerator, opens up, he said, Dad, I just got that swag. And I'm like, son, you got something, but it ain't swag right there, man. It's something, it looks like something's wrong, but then, but you know, that's what they do. You know, they're, they're, they're dropping dabs and throwing up yeats. I, and I don't get it all, but that's what they do. Now, my younger son, Trig, all right, he's just like me in his attitude and the way that he, I mean, he likes to have fun. He likes to scare people. If you want some funny stories, ask me later. I'll tell you how I, how I plan uh, tricks to scare my wife. She hates it. I love it. So we're all good. But he is so, so much like me in just his attitude and outlook towards life. He's fun-loving. One day, I was giving Trig a haircut, and, uh, and I'm cheap also, just like my dad. Thanks, Dad. That's good. So not as bad as my dad, but I'm, I'm pretty cheap. So I took my kids to get a haircut one time, and for two boys to get a haircut, it was $40. I said, never again. I will learn to cut their hair. They had some totally bushwhacked hair for a couple of months, but we figured it out, and I'll fade them up nice now. But... I won't cut your kid's hair, but I'll cut my kid's hair. So it's all good. So I'm fading Trig up, and Trig looks in the mirror, and he's just like, he's running his hands down the side of his fade. You see, I can't, have, can't cut my own, so I, I do my kids. And he's, he's just, he's puckering his lips, doing, he's doing this stuff. Mm, mm. And I said, Trig, what are you doing? And he just, he, he runs his thing, hands through his hair one more time. He looks at me, he goes, Dada, I'm going to rock this. I said, you're going to rock this, huh? He said, I, look, I make this look so good. And I'm like, yeah, you do make that look good. You see, there's something about having kids that, man, it just brings joy to your heart. But also, my kids are getting to this age in their life where I'm having a lot more fun with them, not just playing sports, but like, let, let me tell you what the kind of fun I'm talking about. I'm talking about the kind of fun of embarrassing my kids. Now, do you have any, any other really good fun parents like that? That you just like to see your kids a little bit embarrassed? Okay, let me tell you about the time my mom embarrassed me, okay? Can we tell, yeah, oh yeah, we're, we're going there, mama. We're, we're so going there. All right, if you want to hear it, say go. If you really want to hear it, say go. If you don't want to hear it, say no. Yeah, you're hearing it, okay? All right, so just like my kids, Bo and I, you know, we, guys, we've all fallen into it. We've all said the silly, uh, cool words of the day. And when, when Bo and I were, were, were younger in, in high school, early in college, there was, this, um, there was this phrase that really became popularized. And whenever something was really cool in Stockton, Missouri, we would say, ooh, that's off the chain. 
You know, that's what we did, you know, in the urbanized metropolis of Stockton, Missouri. It's, you know, that's how we talk. <laughs> and so, so we said, oh, that's off the chain, son. And that's, that's what we would do, man. I mean, it's like, because that was awesome. And, and one day my friends were over, okay, and we were hanging out. And, you know, we were just, you know, having a good time. My mom comes in and she sees what we're doing. And my mom says, ow, that's off the chain, huh, guys? And, <laughs> and I'm just like hashtag mortified right now. I'm like, what is mom doing? But here's what I'm realizing now on this side of parenthood. I know, although she might not admit it, I know she did that stuff on purpose just to embarrass me a little bit because I do the same thing to my kids. Just the other day, we're having Titus's birthday party. He's got some friends in his car. Guys, I just, my, my, my truck's got a little bit of bump in it, and so I turned this song up by Gavi, and it, and it says, I talk Hussein into Cheetah Print. <laughs> I spit fresh game, I don't need a minute. And I'm just like hitting this hard, and I'm just, I'm, I'm hitting this thing right here, and I'm, I'm nay-naying when I get it going, and, and I'm like, so, come on, fellas, come on. And they're up, his, their friends are like, dude, what's wrong with your dad? And Trig's like, Trig's in the back just going like this, and I'm having the time of my life because my boys are finally old enough where I can act crazy just to give them a hard time. I'm loving life right now. I'm loving life right now. <laughs> so much fun. So much fun. Trick said, I'm going to rock this. I don't know if he rocked it, but one thing he did was give me a sermon title. So high five your neighbor and tell him my title. Say, I'm going to rock this. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 36 through 40. David speaking to King Saul after he had heard the threats of the giant Goliath. This conference is about taking the land. David had an assignment to not only take the land, but to lead the land. And David is on, he's on route to take care of his family in this moment, to, to, give, to give wine and bread and cheese to his brothers, to check them out, see how they're doing. And on his way, he hears this giant, the Philistine champion, make threats against the armies of the living God while everyone else was afraid. David, something arose up in him. Something arose up in him that said, somebody's got to do something. If we're going to take this land, somebody's got to step out, and I'm going to do it. So he goes before the king, and this is what he says. Your servant has killed. I better do my, my Bible voice. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. <laughs> All right. And David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head. He clothed him with, with armor. David girded his sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. And David took them off. He took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch. And his sling was in his hand as he approached the Philistine. So today, guys, I want to talk to you about the bag and the stones that we need to have it ready at all times if we want to live in the victory that God has called us to. So David has this bag, the shepherd's bag. It became part of him. 
It's what he wore. It was part of his, his daily attire that he would put on. And he went down to the brook and he found five choice smooth stones that he put inside this bag. So within my message, the first thing I want to do is simply ask you a question. What are you carrying? What are you carrying into every day that you're walking into? What's in your bag for the assignment that God has called you to. You see, David was a man on a mission. Although he wasn't a man yet, he was 14 years old approximately, yet David was carrying something vital to his assignment. My question today is what are you carrying? You see, sometimes in life, we, we go off into the assignment that God has called us to. We go to where we feel like God is telling us to go, but when we get out there, we realize we're not carrying the things that we're supposed to carry. Sometimes it's easy because of hurt of the past, offense that has happened to our hearts. We reach into our bag, and instead of finding a weapon for warfare, we find offense of the past. And we can't, oh, I didn't mean to preach this early. I was going to save it. Guys, we can't fight the giant ahead of us if we're trying to use hurts from the past. You cannot conquer your assignment if you're not carrying the right thing. What are you carrying even this morning? David, the only thing that David was carrying this day was that which was essential to his assignment. The only thing that David brought with him to the battlefield was that which was essential to the assignment God had placed on him. What are you carrying? What are you carrying? Five stones. Interesting. Interesting why he would find five smooth stones. Interesting in our eyes, maybe, but I feel like that everything that we find in the Word of God we know is inspired. And in order for the Word to be inspired, the ones whom he's tell, who the stories are about had to be inspired to do the things that the Spirit of God was placing in their hearts. So he reached down and he found five. Why did David find five stones? There's many, different, there's many different theological answers that we could, we, we could go to. We could look into the assumptions or the theories of, sums, of some, but here's where I would like to go to find the answer to this. In 2 Samuel chapter 20, 21, we read that there was a lineage of giants from the city of Gath. That there was a lineage of giants from the city of Gath, and this is where Goliath, whom David faced, was from. In this passage of scripture, it talks about the four other giants that came from the same family. Many believe that these four, that these four other giants were brothers of Goliath, if, or at the very least, at least related to him. So if you can count, even like I can, Goliath plus four equals, Goliath plus four equals, so David went to the stone and got smooth stones. David went to the brook to grab five smooth stones. You know, see, all growing up, when I heard this story, I would think just in natural terms. What would I do if I was going into battle and I was going to go to the brook? You better believe that I would get as many stones as my bag could carry. That's what I do when I go deer hunting. I, I, I load up with as many rounds as that magazine will hold. Come on, somebody. I, I, I put as many arrows as my quiver will carry. Why? Because I want a backup. Right? If something happens and I miss, I want to know that I have something to lean on, that I've got something else that I can, that, that I can hold on to, that I can chamber another one, bear down, and poof, 
let it eat. You know what I mean? But here's the thing. David went and got five smooth stones. And I used to think, well, David got five stones because he wasn't sure that the first one would do it. No. David got five smooth stones. Holy Ghost is hitting me right now. David got five smooth stones. I believe as a testimony to every giant in the land that would say, no matter what the enemy would bring against me, I got a stone for that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I wonder if there's anybody in here that can reach into your bag and say, devil, no matter what you try to bring to me, I want you to know I've got a stone for that. When depression tries to rear its head, I've got a stone for that. When people try to attack me, I've got a stone for that. Though in those who come against me in one direction, baby, I've got a stone for that. And I'll watch you flee in seven because the one who has called me will equip me with everything I need for every good work that he's called me too. I want to know, do you got stones today? Touch your neighbor and tell them, I got some stones. Just good stuff, man. Come on. I got a stone for that. It doesn't matter what the devil tries to bring at me. I got a stone for that. I'm carrying that which is essential to my assignment. Everything that God would call me to do, he would not call me if he would not equip me. I got a stone for that. Come on. He grabbed five of them. He grabbed five of them. So I'm going to talk about those five stones. If we were going to name those five stones today in your bag that you're carrying, if I could give you five stones of encouragement today, these are the names of the five stones that I would want you to put in your bag. The first stone being faith and confidence. And we'll say faith and confidence. Faith and confidence. Faith in the promise. Faith in the promise. You have to have faith in the promise because of the one who made the promise is faithful. Pastor Jeremy talked about faithfulness and fruit. You see, we, the, the promise that he brought out so perfectly clear last night was the fact that it's not our job to produce the fruit. It's our responsibility to be faithful in the process. You see, it's faithfulness in the process that produces the fruit of righteousness. It's faithfulness in the process that produces the promise of his kingdom in my life. You see, it's faithfulness. So my stone, I'm going to be faithful in the promise I, that my stone is faith and confidence in the promise because of the one who made it is faithful. The word says that God is not slow in bringing about his promises, but he is patient for your sake. Say for me. You know that God would never ask you to do anything that would not be of somehow a benefit to you? He's patient for your sake. He's patient for your sake. And sometimes there is a season between the promise and the palace called the process. And God has to work out some things in the process so you'll be able to handle the palace. That's the story of David. That's the difference in two kings. King Saul, who, who David's predecessor, was given a promise and then elevated to a position without any process to enable him to walk out the call that God had placed on him. That's just good preaching right there. That's what, that's what Saul was. But David, given an amazing promise, anointed, had to walk out a process so that he would be willing and able 
to steward well the palace that God was bringing him into. See, God is not slow as some count slowness, but he's patient for your sake. Why? Now listen to this. The promise that God has placed on your life The promise that God has birthed in your heart, the promise that you have been waiting on to see come to pass, this promise that God has declared over your life, if you have yet to see it come to pass in its fullness, there's a reason. Why? Because God wants you to be fully prepared because your promise is so important that he would not have his promise lost because you skipped the process to get to it. My first stone is faith and confidence in the promise. Faith and confidence, if you're a really detailed note taker, this would be sub-point B. Faith and confidence in the weapon. Faith and confidence in the weapon. Who are we talking about? King David, right? Before he was king, he was shepherd. And can't you imagine the shepherd boy going out with the sheep every day? Sometimes staying the night in the fields, watching over the sheep. Back then, he didn't have iPads and iPhones and and all of this stuff to play on like our kids do because they can't go on a 30-minute ride without having their device to look at, right? David had to do something. And so I feel like David had gained confidence in his weapon when he was out in the field. Sometimes it didn't didn't even start. I I bet he didn't. There's no way that he picked up a sling and said, one day this is going to kill giants. No, David just picked up a sling, and he started slinging that thing. And he realized, Pastor Stone, that he had a gift, that he had a gift. David would be out with the fields, and can't you just see him? He's slinging the sting, and he's smashing smashing pop cans out there, right? That's what they do, right? He's practicing with his weapon. And just like anything, y'all, whenever you practice enough, practice leads to proficiency. And once David became proficient, he became confident. You see, there's something about practicing your gift that will make you proficient in them so that you can step out in confidence in them. Come on. We've got to be willing to practice these things that God has birthed in us. Because what was Pastor, Pastor Stone's quote, right? Unlocked potential. Unlocked potential. The result of that... Is, is, is the gifts in operation. Guys, I'm telling you, David had confidence in his weapon. You see, someone needs to understand that the power of the weapons that we have been given, someone needs to understand that the pow- there's power in the weapons that you have been given. And some of you don't even realize that you have a weapon. Some of us in here feel like that we are just on the boat and life is the ocean and we are just tossed wherever the seas would take us. Some of us just think that, 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 that wherever we are in the moment, that whatever the plight that we face is just part of this plan to get us where we're called to be. But, in, 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 but what we need to understand is that as sons and daughters of God, that we have been equipped with powerful weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, 5a says the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly, but they are powerful for the destruction of strongholds, and we tear down everything that exalts itself against the kingdom of God. Someone needs to know the power of the weapons that you've been given. 
You need to know the power of the weapons that you have. And in order to see the power manifest, there must be a time of practice and preparation to see them whoo, come from your life. David Stone, he had faith and confidence in his weapon. See, the enemy, the reason why you need to understand the power in your weapon is because the enemy doesn't. You think about this now. So here comes David. He stands before a giant. What did David have? A sling, a staff, and some stones. The giant sees David, right? Remember I, I just said, the reason you need to understand the power of your weapons is because your enemy doesn't. What did Goliath say to David? He said, am I a dog that you would come against me with sticks? What did David have? A staff and a sling. You see, David understood and got the revelation of the power that was in his weapon. The, the giant had no idea the power that he was about to get smashed in the face with. You need to understand the power of your weapon because I promise you, the devil and all the demons in hell have no idea of what happens when the spirit of God alive in you becomes released through you. There is something about recognizing the indwelling empowerment of the spirit of the God that can propel you into a destiny that you thought was far from you. You've got to know the power that you've been given because I promise you, your enemy does not realize your potential. Come on. The giant said, you're coming to me with sticks. Am I a dog? <laughs> David thinking, nah, but you're about to be dead meat. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo. Faith and confidence in the stone. David spent time searching for the right stone. And he found the one. He found five smooth stones, is what the word says. He wasn't just haphazardly picking out rocks from the brook. He was searching for ones, for the right ones, that would perform the job destined for them to perform. He picked a stone he spent time searching for the right one. And when he found the one, he found the one that he had confidence, assurance, and hope and faith in. You understand what I'm saying here? He had faith and confidence in his stone. Whenever he picked the stone that would be number one in his sling, it was a stone that he had confidence in. It was a stone that he had faith in. It was a stone. <laughs> Pastor Stone, I'm about to preach. It was a stone. It was a stone that he could build with. It was a stone of assurance, of hope, in faith. He had faith in the stone. And can I let you in on a little secret, church? We, too, have a stone that we can put our faith in. He's called the rock of our salvation. He's called the stone that the builders rejected. He has become the chief cornerstone of our faith. I've got the right stone. Come on, somebody. Woo! He reached into his bag because he had the right stone. He had the right stone. Second rock in his bag was a rock of worship, a stone of worship. This is how I fight my battles. Come on. This is how I fight my battles. You see the stone of worship. 
You see, David understood the importance and the power and the stone of worship. He had a greater revelation of what worship would do than anyone of his time. David understood the power of worship in the life of one who would call on God. David, you understand that like David, this is such a deep revelation that David's understanding of worship actually brought him into a place that was reserved for another time. David lived in a time, and, I'm, and I don't want to go too far into this, but David lived in a time where the only way to be right with God would be through sacrifice. But, David, but God spoke to David because David was one after his heart. How do you get after the heart of God? You worship. And through worship, God would declare this thing unto David. I do not desire sacrifice, right? But obedience. Do you know that under David, sacrifices ceased? In 24 hours, seven days a week, worship was instituted? You see, under David's lead and under David's kingship, guys, a whole nation was brought into a time that was reserved for something else. Because worship touched the heart of God. Your stone, you gotta have a stone of worship in your bag. When you face the enemy, you just simply proclaim, as we sang last night, this is how I fight. Though the enemy comes against me, I'll worship him who made me. You gotta have a stone of worship. Stone number three is wisdom. You need to know that God has a plan through everything you face. God has a plan through everything you face. James 1, 5 and 6a says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously without reproach and it will be given to him. But you must ask in faith without doubting. God has a plan through everything that you go through. God has a purpose for everything that you walk through. But you have to have the stone of wisdom. Because wisdom, wisdom teaches. Wisdom is a teacher who will teach you what to do with what God has been given. I'm telling you guys, we need to seek wisdom. God tells us to do it. Why would we not do something that he has plainly told us to do? We need to ask for wisdom from our king. We need to be able to reach into our bag and get the stone of faith of confidence, get the stone of worship, and get the stone of wisdom. These are stones that we need to be walking with. What's in your bag? Stone four. Stone four is the word and prayer. The word and prayer. We gotta have the word. We gotta have his word in our lives. We gotta have his word forming the direction of our lives. His word becomes the foundation from which we live and move and have our being. We have to have and build our lives upon the word because his word is truth. His word will lead us and guide us. If you ever wanna know what God is saying, open the word. Because what he has said, he is still declaring. Come on, somebody. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to have intimacy with the Holy Spirit so that we can hear his voice. And he can speak to us. And as we know in John 10, he says that in my sheep, know my voice. We, need to, we are called, guys, to this intimate place of, of, of intimacy with the Spirit of God that whenever he would whisper our name, it would catch our heart and we would turn and say, yes, Lord, here I am. And then whenever he would speak to us, we could take that word and look, does it confirm with his word? Because I'll tell you that God's spoken word will always match up with his written word. We need to learn to rightly divide the word 
in truth. Prayer. Understanding what prayer is. That prayer is so much more than just giving God your grocery list before you go to bed of what you need and who you want him to bless. Prayer is developing intimacy with the Spirit. You see, prayer is honoring and worshiping. Prayer is listening and communing with the one in whose image you were created. We need the stone of worship and prayer. And lastly, and I'm closing now if you guys want to come and play with me. Lastly, the fifth stone is the stone of grace. The stone of grace. Everyone say grace. Say it like you're excited about it. Grace. Now picture this with me. A boy, 14 years old, standing before a giant. The Philistines champion, who an entire army was afraid of, who the king himself feared. And here you have David on the front lines on the battle. He's standing before this giant. And he, 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 he makes this declaration over him. And the giant speaks and he says, you're just a boy. And he was. He was telling him, you're just a boy. Come here and I will feed your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. You see, the enemy's tactics, we need to recognize how the enemy will try to move you from your purpose. The enemy in this moment tried to discourage and lie him out of his promise. He said, you're just a boy. Come here and I'll feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. You see, the enemy will always try to lie against your destiny. But see, you need to know something right here. That no lie of the enemy, no lie of the enemy is as big as the promise that he has for you. No lie of the enemy can compare to the promise that he has for you. You see, fear, in this moment, Goliath is trying to instill fear. And how many of you know the enemy still tries to use the tactic of fear in our life? He tries to use the tactic of fear to keep us from the vision that he's calling us to. He tries to use the tactic of fear that, he, that they would try to manipulate how we see ourselves. That when we see ourselves, we would see ourselves less than God has said that we are. And so we are afraid to take the steps that God is calling us to take for fear that it wouldn't work. You see, fear, fear will always try to move you from where God has called you. Fear will always try to move you from where God has called you. So here's David, 14 years old. He's standing with his staff, his sling against a giant. What does David do? I'll tell you what I would have done. <laughs> I'd have been out, like quick. And I'm sure that there was probably a moment in David's life that he felt like this would be a perfect opportunity to run. When he's facing a giant, nine and a half feet tall, who literally is saying, I'm going to kill you and feed you to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. This would have been a perfect opportunity for David to say, ah, I think I'm going to go ahead and go back to the sheep. I'm going to kind of get out of here in this moment. But instead of running, he reached. Instead of running, David reached. What did he reach into? He reached into his bag. 
Instead of running, whenever the giant says, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to feed you to the birds of the air. Whenever everything inside of him might have been saying, it's time to run. David said, ah, it might be time to run, but instead of running, I'm going to reach. And so David reached into his bag. He reached deep into that bag and he found that stone with a purpose. Mm. You see, number five, he had five stones. And again, I don't believe that God does anything on accident. You see, because when you understand what the number five represents, you understand there's a deeper call to the arbitrary number that might be pulled out of the, out of the creek, out of the, out of the brook. You see, five is the number for grace. Five is the number for grace. So he reached, he reached, and in his bag, he found the grace that he needed for the assignment at hand. What is grace? Come on. Grace is the supernatural favor and empowerment to do what is impossible without God. That's my definition. You guys can use that if you want. Grace is the supernatural empowerment to do what is impossible without God. That's grace. So when the giant was, was speaking, spewing murderous threats, when everyone else would have ran, David reached and he found grace. Someone needs to know that there's grace when you reach. There's grace when you reach. The apostles, Paul said that my grace is sufficient. This is what God speaks to him. My grace is sufficient for in your weakness I am strong. Someone needs to know that the strength you're looking for that you have not found is because you're in a place of worry and fear. And I need to tell you a piece of truth that might be offensive but you'll get over it or you won't because that's not what you're supposed to carry. Fear does not move God to your, to your circumstance. Faith moves God to your circumstance. You see, David had faith and confidence in his bag. David had worship in his bag. David had the word in his bag. David had prayer in his bag. And there was grace when he reached. How about the man with the withered hand? When Jesus saw him in the temple, Jesus said, stretch forth your hand. You know, the miracle didn't happen until he reached. Come on, somebody. You see, some of you need to know that you're on the cusp of something great and you're waiting for it to happen and God is waiting for you to reach. I'm going to say it again. Some of you are right there on the edge of a miracle and you're waiting for it to happen, but God is waiting for you to help me preach. You're waiting for it to happen, but God is waiting for you we got to reach because there's grace when you reach. And grace is a supernatural empowerment to do the very thing that you could not do without the Spirit of God on it. we got to be willing to reach. All right, okay, okay, here we go. Everyone stand to your feet with me. This is how we're going to leave this thing. We're going to go out. We're taking some land. This is how we're going out today. Here we go. Let's, let's check this battle out right now. Let's check this battle out. So here comes David. He's standing on the battle lines. And Goliath is coming with a shield, a javelin, and, so, and a sword. Okay? You with me? David has a sling and a stone. The giant is coming to him with a shield, a sword, and a javelin, but David has 
grace. Come on. Five rocks symbolizing grace over his assignment, grace over his calling, and grace over all that would come to him. There's grace. So as David put the stone in the sling, can't you just see him sliding that stone in the sling? He's probably, he's probably thinking something like this. The enemy may be coming against me, but God is for me. The enemy has an assignment against me, but what the enemy has called an assignment, I call a speed bump on the way to my promise. Come on, somebody. Hey, hey. That man, he might have been a giant, but to David, he was just a nine and a half foot tall speed bump that he would walk over on the way to a palace. Come on. Woo. He's got a sword. Come on, now listen. He's got a sword. Now you see David, he's got this, his sling right here. He's got a sword. Come on. He's got a, he's got a javelin. Yeah, come on, get with me. He's got a sword and he's got a javelin, and he's got a spear, but I got a God who's for me, and baby, I'm gonna rock this. Come on, somebody. Hey, hey, he said, you might come against me, but I come against you in the name of the Lord, and baby, I'm gonna rock this. What, who, what can you say to your giant this day when it would come against you, whenever, whenever sickness would come against you, you can say, I'm gonna rock this. Whenever people would come against you in your vision, you can say, come on. Whenever the enemy would try to detour you through lies and deception, you can say, I wish somebody would help me preach to whatever the enemy would say to keep you from your destiny. You can say back. I'm telling you, church, we are taking land. We are taking land. And I want someone to know today when the Spirit of God, with the Spirit of God and the stones that you carry, you can look at the enemy and declare with faith, hope, truth, and love, baby, I'm going to rock this.